This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm Tomahome. And this is David Stifle, that Burroughs guy. And we're going to be talking about uh, your latest, well, maybe it's not your latest, I'm assuming it's your latest completed project at the Earth's Core. That's correct, or actually, uh, my almost, yes, uh, actually the latest uh, completed one is number two, Pellucidar, which I've just started podcasting, but is available in its entirety as a full audio book for purchase already. Uh, is At the Earth's Core still available as a podcast by the time? Yes, it's available as the podcast and uh, also available for purchase. Uh, Pellucidar is being podcast even as we speak. And if people are too impatient and don't want to wait, they can buy the whole thing. What? How long after uh, you finish podcasting do you take it out of the podcast feed? Usually about half a year. Okay, but so I we got let, a little bit of time left. Before. Yeah, I'll, I'll let it stay up there about six months, and then I will pull it. Cool. Yeah, I actually listen to it as a podcast. Cool. I listen to the audiobook. Um, well, I assume the only difference is just the intros and the extras. Right. The ad- intros and outros uh, are, are put on there for the podcast. As an audiobook, uh, there's just one at the beginning of the book at the end. The uh, intermediate uh, episode int- introductions are not there in the audiobook. Yeah. You know, I, I think you've also got a special feature, which is this podcast, <laughs> where yes. we talk about the audiobook. Uh, or the podcast, and I, you know, I, I somehow thought Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know, he was just a one-trick pony, just made that uh, John Carter book. I've never read any Edgar Rice Burroughs except for the one we did before, which was A Princess of Mars. Mm-hmm. I'd seen movies, you know, about Tarzan, and I, I'd, you know, I, I sort of knew that he had written all this stuff, but uh, you know, other than a couple sh- short stories by uh, about Tarzan, I really hadn't done anything. He's actually a really, he's a really dynamic writer. Oh, he was he was a master at this stuff. He had a really great knack for it. And uh, in in the depths of dire need, I, he was in his thirties in nineteen eleven. He had tried so many different trades. He was a very talented man, but he just couldn't focus. And he was once again just in dire need. He had his wife, he had his kids, and uh, the story, he, as he likes to tell it, is he was reading these pulp fiction stories and he was thinking, well, this is some of the worst rot I've ever read. I can write rot just as bad as this, and he banged out uh, Princess of Mars and submitted it, got it published, and uh, he never looked back. Well, what book, where does this, this is shortly after, right? This uh, is book number six for him. Okay. He wrote it in 1913. This is two years uh, into his writing career. He had already created the Barsoom series. He'd already created Tarzan, and that wasn't enough. Now, this was his number three franchise that he created. It's eventually going to be called the Pellucidar series. Correct. Correct. Um, uh, That's based on the the name of the world at the Earth's core, Mm -hmm. um, which he named it actually in at the Earth's core. But uh, some people call it Pellucidar. Some say the inner world. But Mm. uh, it's one of his one of one of his series. You got Tarzan. You got Barsoom. You got uh, Pellucidar. You have Venus, and uh, there's the fifth Caspac Caprona, which was the land that time forgot. which actually, that one was also written within the first couple of years he was writing. So mm. he just had an amazing. Are you going to do that one? Uh, I might later. I might okay. later, but uh, actually, the next up is I've decided I am going to jump into Tarzan next. Oh, cool. Okay. Huh. 
<clears throat> now, uh, my understanding is that Tarzan meets up with that seer score. Uh, the uh, Tarzan goes to Pellucidar. Is that not true? Yes, he does. Uh, there's one uh, written in uh, the late 20s, early 30s. I can't remember. It's uh, Tarzan number in the teens, uh, Pellucidar number six or seven is Tarzan at the Earth's core. He figures a way to get there by Zeppelin, if you can. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I guess the tunnel is already there. So. Yeah, the tunnel is. Well, he. A I, long I, I way think, down. I think he took his cue from Vern on that one, because at Vern, they go through a volcano to get uh, to the center of the Earth. And yeah. So, okay. so what I was reading about this this novel is that there's sort of uh, maybe two ancestors. Maybe I was reading even on your blog, or your uh, your not your blog, your your website about this audiobook. You you were saying uh, Lost World, and what's the Jules Verne one? Journey to the Center of the Earth. I mean, right. there's definitely an ancestry to both of them. And uh, I I actually had the thought that I really don't know what he liked to read. I don't know what was in his library. I don't know if he was familiar with these works. But there's certainly a uh, – uh, Vern talked about Journey to the Center of the Earth uh, where you go in and there's this uh, life down there. I can't remember if Vern had dinosaurs down there or not. But certainly the idea that there's a world under the Earth's surface uh, is similar to uh, – very similar. And then you had, of course, H.G. Uh, um, Wells in The Lost World, which wasn't uh, under the Earth. But uh, dinosaurs were a very big uh, draw around turn of the century, early 1900s. So I don't Doyle, know. Right? Yeah, that was A. Conan Doyle, uh, yeah. uh, the Professor Challenger series. I've actually just got that audiobook in uh – like the last week or so from Blackstone, and I was thinking, actually, I might want to follow up and see. But that's set on the 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 actual surface of the Earth, right? Right. It, it that's more like a the uh, lost, uh, it's a lost world in the own. It's like a uh, some sort of ridge or something. Right. Right. It's in the Amazon, uh, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, Burroughs had uh, his dinosaur world. That's the Caspac Caprona line that time forgot. He has another uh, island out somewhere. I, guess, I think it's in the Pacific where they stumble on that. Uh, but uh, this, this uh, I believe this preceded the land that time forgot. But he just put his dinosaurs and all other kinds of Ice Age <laughs> mammals uh, down there in, uh, in, in, the, in the hollow earth. You know, uh, I, I, I didn't think about it before, but is this where all that... You know the 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 Earth is hollow. Uh, the theories that uh, conspiracy people seem to like, you know, where uh, there's there's troll people living under the Earth and they control the U.S. government and blah blah blah. No, it's not troll people. It's uh, lizard people. Lizard it, people. Did they just read this book and think it was true? It's very possible. Maybe <laughs> uh, he jokes at the beginning that he tried to convince a fellow of the Royal Geological yeah, yeah. Society. Uh, he, his his humor is incredibly dry, and I the more I read him, I, the more I really appreciate it, talking about this this uh, uh, erudite gentleman congealing to prevent himself from exploding <laughs> yeah, yeah. when he's told about this. But uh, I like the, uh, the the scenes later on in the book where he, he's, he's got Deanna is that how? Yes, Dion. Dion. Uh, uh, I, I, that's probably up for grabs. So when I try to pronounce stuff, I try to do stuff that doesn't, you know, really ring above uh, people you know here. So I, mm-hmm. Dion, D, uh That you know. And there was decor too, which I thought was. Yes, decor. <laughs> and yes, uh, yes. Uh, the the wonderful decor. Her brother, and, her brother decor, right? Yes, yes. Uh, well, Dion, when he's finally Dion the beautiful. Yeah, Dion the beautiful to to. 
to, uh, to love him or whatever. She she's she's like, well, I still hate you. <laughs> yes, I, that, that's and just... he's, and he's like, he starts envying the 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 ugly guy. <laughs> yeah, who he just killed. Just, yeah. Maybe he he. Oh, has that a... was so funny. I was laughing out loud. Yeah, he uh, there's a, there's a couple of good ones in that, uh, and and then Abner Perry sometimes gets a little bit amusing. Uh, maybe not so much in this one, but uh, I, uh, it's a fun character. Yeah, yeah, they're they're all they're all good. I mean, that that's prototypical. I mean, the uh, the young man and the uh, the the mad scientist inventor genius leading him astray. Um, it, it, that's a great stereotype. But. Absolutely, it's it's almost Heinleinian. It's it's got the Robert Heinlein. Uh, you know, sort of dynamic going on. You've got the young, vigorous, strong man who doesn't know what's going on, and you've got the uh, old guy who does. Oh yeah, uh, good old Jubal from. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, from uh, oh, God. Is basically Heinlein playing all the characters. Um, I think you know you can almost feel like Edgar Rice Burroughs when he's writing it. He is playing all the characters. Oh yes, absolutely, and- absolutely. They 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 stand for him or for his antitheses. But he must have been a hell of a storyteller. Uh, they, they 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 he used to write, but before he made money at it, he would he would write books for his kids and invent stories. And, and he actually had some doodling abilities, and he would doodle and make make illustrations. But uh, this guy, I, I could just imagine sitting around a, a campfire listening to him tell mm-hmm. stories. Uh, he he had the gift for it. What can I say? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what fascinates me most uh, about this book is actually how well thought through uh, the world is. It's, it's uh, I think I understand pretty much how it works. You've got, a ton- you, you start tunneling into the earth with the, uh, what's the mole machine? The, uh, the, the iron mole, right? Iron mole, okay. Prospector? The prospector, yeah. yes. They, they, they uncontrollably start digging. They can't stop. They can't turn. Um, they think they are... Have, bounced off of something and headed back to the surface, but turns out that they've landed on the inside world. But the inside world isn't what I thought where, like, they would fall through the roof of a cave, right? Mm-hmm. It's They've actually tunneled up through the ground right. of their new world, and so the gravity makes it so that when you're standing in Pellucidar, your feet are facing the opposite direction as our feet are right. on the surface right. of the earth so that there's a it's not just a hollow world it's it's an inverted world right right well it's i i the way i look at it is it, the, the 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 earth is just a a nice m&m thin shell surrounding <laughs> something i don't know and then the gravity the 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 gravity line of demarcation is somewhere halfway halfway through that shell yeah, yeah it's really so, and then the, it's a, there's a great scene where he's trying to tell Ja the Mezop all about it, and Ja is just uh, oh, of course, and people on the other side of the earth they fall yeah. he fall off because he can't he can't envision that. It's uh, yeah. well, I I think what he you know what Burroughs is really good at here is he says uh, you know of course this is totally ridiculous and I don't believe it says the main character, but uh, having just experienced all this, um, I know that. Uh, having my mind blown like this, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, you'd have to experience it for you. So, like, yeah, all the things that we we say, oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that doesn't work. Um, he points those out, and then he says, you know, it's just like this, and he gives an analogy. Um, and the analogy is always, yeah. I say, you know what? That's pretty good. Stuff. Yeah, 
you're you're a really good bullshitter, sir. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and especially down in the right at the center, at the heart of our Earth, is this little uh, sun just sitting there and then showering light uh, upon a whole world inside the Earth. I can't, I can't. So there's just a sun in the very center. Yeah, there's a there's a tiny sun right at the center of the Earth, and that's the the center of uh, that's the the. That's not where it ends, right? There's a moon. Yes, exactly. Yes, there's a moon in the center of the Earth. That there is. That it's fixed in place, which I don't I don't understand how that could be, but whatever. Maybe it's perfectly balanced between the center sun and the. Uh, it makes it, it it's it's just bizarre, but it's like you can see he's setting up. Oh. I got to read the next book because exactly I got to see when he goes to the moon. <laughs> right, right, right. What's up they, there? This little, the little, the uh, the the little tiny, the pendant world he calls it. Huh. I, I don't remember if he ever gave it a name, but uh, yeah, there's this little tiny moon, and it's revolving around the Earth's axis, so it's always at the same spot above. Mm-hmm. Pellucidar, but it, it itself rotates. Mm-hmm. So that little moon actually has day and night down yeah. in Pellucidar. Weird. So, no, this guy. Pelucidar has no time because there's no nighttime. Yeah, that's really. Yeah, that's a. He explains that is is pretty amazing. Yeah, his his whole notion of the relativity of time and how subjective it is. He really takes some fascinating detours here, and he really did think this stuff out. I mean, he was a BSer, of course, but. But uh, once he decided to BS, he would flesh out. He would. He was known to draw maps of the world he was setting up, so he would actually try to stay consistent. And he would write, uh, you know, try to. He would. He would. He would write this stuff out. He once said that names of characters were important to him. He would agonize for hours over the right name for a guy. Uh, I noticed on this one, however, that uh, he didn't stay consistent because we talk about the land of. Thoria, with an <laughs> O, uh, under the land of awful shadow. And in book two, uh, suddenly, somehow that turns into Thuria, with a U. Mm. I was actually looking and saying, did... Oh, it's a regional difference. You know. Yeah, a regional, <laughs> uh, just an accent. But I was Is looking it... at that a couple of times as a proofer and, and trying to say, wow, did, did uh, Gutenberg screw this one up? And no, I went back to the first and said, first edition, it was Thoria, and somehow in two years, the name had changed to Thuria, under the land of awful shadow. There's a, there's a strong feeling, you know, like um, if you had read A Princess of Mars, I think you can tell that this isn't a true story just in the same way that there aren't, because the stories are ex- extremely parallel in, in structure, right? You've got a yes. guy, I mean, there, there are a lot of differences, like, you know, the fact that uh, we've got two guys going to this mysterious world versus the one guy in Princess, but mm-hmm. we're wearing clothes. There's yes, a little bit have... more clothing, a little bit more clothing. <laughs> well, actually, as soon as they get down to Pellucidar, they get stripped by those uh, right. those uh, weird uh, black uh, gorilla-like ape men. They, they, get they only take their stuff, though. They don't take their clothes, right? Yes, they do. I remember, he, they, they stripped them. So they're running around naked okay. for a while, and then they have to get loincloths or whatever. But, uh, Just like in the movie... Uh, Planet of the Apes? No, Princess of Mars. They, they oh. put clothes back on. They also put clothes back on in the... Uh, the movie version of At the Earth's Core. Right, right. I think they de- I think they described the clothing a little bit. Um, and maybe they just took the main character's clothing, because uh, th- what I was going to say is is they are quite parallel. You know, the yes. first people they meet, uh, princess, <laughs> there's a princess in both stories. Who it's got to be romance. Instant love interest to, uh, to the main character. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a, uh, a, a king guy or a, a chieftain guy who becomes the ally. Um, I don't think there's a, a rideable mount or a, a, a dog character like Ula in this, but there is uh, there's a you know the, the revolution that the the, uh, the war the right, extraordinary right. abilities, which is I guess a bow and a swords. He managed to make swords really easily. <laughs> yeah, 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 uh, the, the, and smelting and and all that. Exactly. It's, it's very yeah. simple, but. Uh, and actually, what was I going to say? Uh, actually, there is a dog character that enters in Pellucidar in the second oh. book. Well, you got to have that. Yes, he, he, he gets a pet hyena, Don. Oh, nice. Actually, he gets a pair of them, uh, a male and female. That's funny. So there's a little spoiler for book two. The other, the other thing that I, I noticed that was pretty interesting is that some of the, the themes and names are show up in later fiction. So... On the Wikipedia entry, it, it notes that the Sagoths are the, they're the bad the sort of the hands of the bad guys, right? Yes, yes, they're the they, uh, gorilla yeah. gorilla henchmen of the uh, reptilian uh, master race. Right. So the, that that uh, apparently was picked up by Lovecraft for the Shoggoth. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That does sound familiar, doesn't it? Yeah, and they they're sort of you know they're they're the servants of of the the old ones or something yes like that. yes um, and and some of the descriptions I mean these these are very humanoid uh, the the are, are humanoid yes. but some of the descriptions of of their how they behave and how they get their orders and such seems to be uh, a little Lovecraftian and there is this you know. This, the dire secrets in the under underground kingdom that you know and this horrible sacrifices and such oh uh, yeah yeah it sort of feel familiar if you've if you've read some lovecraft yes indeed yeah uh, well especially the the way the mayhars the uh, the the lizard people who are the dominant race communicate they don't have ears so they do what are they they communicate by projecting thoughts into the sixth dimension or mm-hmm. something like, something like that a lot uh, of telepathy in the, uh, is there any telepathy in tarzan uh, not really per se there's just jungle instinct in tarzan no no telepathy but i was thinking yeah yeah, he did also have telepathy in Barsoom because mm-hmm. the Barsoomians doesn't get used that much, but yeah, but the Barsoomians can read each other's minds, so they have to learn to cloak. Right. Um, the um, it's it's made fairly explicit in the movie. I'm not sure how explicit it is in the in the book. Um, the Mayhars are all females, according to the Wikipedia entry. Um, right. I don't remember that in the book. Do Do you remember how? Oh that, yeah, that, that that's, that's the great that's, secret, right? Yes, that's part of the great secret. That's and that's that's major plot point is that's that's one of those wonderful chapters where he comes up with all of this uh, background information and exposition, and that's uh, Perry's been working in the library and discovers by reading their scrolls that uh, over time uh, they discovered how to fertilize the eggs uh, artificially with this formula, and uh, little by little the males died out. 
right. so that all these nasty female uh, nasty mayhars are all females and they have to have this one serum to uh, reproduce and there's only apparently it's only written down on one manuscript so you would think that <laughs> well, that's uh, very inconvenient yeah you would well you would think that a dominant race would be able to think a little bit more through that but <laughs> somehow they their great secret is down in the library in one there's scroll. lots of genetic diversity so yeah yeah and uh, so they as soon as that secret gets stolen they're they're up that creek in a major way but yes it, it was hard for me to get used to it yeah because every time you would talk about a mayhar it would be a her yeah and uh it's 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 kind of um interesting also you know the the john how do you say the buddy's name uh ja 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 the mezop ja yes it's ja ja J. Okay, so Ja, he is a uh, is he a prince or king? Can't a king. He's, He's a, king. a king. So the first guy he, the first girl he bumps into, she's a princess. Second guy he bumps into, and that's a great scene where they they have a big fight and then they end up fighting something else. Oh yeah, they wind up fighting the uh, the snake in the water. Right. Um, th- that scene where you know they they have a big fight and then they become best friends. Um, <laughs> very uh, feels very. I'm, I've only read two books, but it feels very Edgar Rice Burroughs. Yes, yes. Well, that's that hail far, hearty, well met. It was. It's the Friar Tuck thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, you, exactly you beat it. the crap out of somebody, and now now we're good friends. That's right. Because they're they're so equally matched. But that's right. That's other right. heroes slightly more equally matched. Well, and and, and also uh, and uh, he he he's he's like John Carter. He cannot turn his back on a on a fellow being in Absolutely. need. So uh, so his the guy's about to kill him, but uh, he's swimming to kill the guy and gets grabbed by an underwater serpent. And he he's got a soft heart and has to help the guy. But so he was, he was stealing the guy's boat, though. Right? Yeah, he's stealing the guy's boat. So of course the guy's going to pursue him and try to kill him. But. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so how, how do we get, uh, it, it seems to happen instantaneously. It must've been one sentence that I, I missed somehow, uh, where they learn the language of the, the people at the earth's core. They, yeah, they, down, it, they just, they, they meet a bunch of, they get captured and then suddenly they know everybody. Yeah. It, it, that does happen fairly quickly. It's while they're being marched, uh, to Futra, I think he actually, uh, it's, it's his relationship with Deanne. He mentions in a few sentences that he'd come to rely on Deanne cause she was helping him learn the language and, uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, they learned the pigeon language that first of all, you Sag- learn the pigeon yeah. language that you communicate to the Sagoths with, and then the the humans have a, a more refined language they use to communicate with each other. And I guess this is just like Barsoomian. It's universal mm-hmm. across the planet. So that that's another uh, thing that he just used once again. It, well, it works well. You know, the whole planet speaks the same language, so you don't have to explain how you learn languages. But yeah, that happened fairly quickly, very early, early on. I think the chapter three or four when he meets Deanne, and they just magically all of a sudden he's conversing. Yeah, it's in the movie they they have the Sagoths. Uh, it, it, it's like they took the they took sentences and they just clipped them down so that it's just this the couple couple of sounds out of the middle of words. It's okay. a kind of an interesting way of doing it, and you can't really understand what they're saying. But uh, we've got all the humans who are enslaved. They, they basically do the translating. And it's actually, uh, yeah, so the movie, the 1976 movie uh, starring Doug McClure, who I'd heard about but never seen in anything before, um, and, uh, and 
what's the uh, Grand Moff Tarkin? Who, who's that British actor? Peter oh, Cushing. Uh, Peter Cushing. Oh, Peter yeah. Cushing. He's, yeah. He's he's Abner Perry. Yeah, he's Abner Perry, and uh, he, you know it's strange because they do move it to England, right? They move uh-huh. this the the story to Britain, and in this it's set in the United States, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, in Connecticut. Yeah, David Dennis is a uh, is a mining a family Yankee. from Connecticut. <laughs> yes, he's a Connecticut Yankee, exactly. Of course. I mean, um, he goes over to London uh, to uh, try to uh, uh, for, well for business, but no, these these are Americans. I, I he he uh, Burroughs was a was a flag waving chauvinist. He loved America. <laughs> so um, in the movie, the the only line that that is uh, reflects the fact that they're British is. Uh, is Perry is the the Mayhars are staring at him and trying to hypnotize him, I guess. And he says, "You can't mesmerize me. I'm British." <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, he's like Perry is a really fun character because we get a description of him as this uh, as this guy who's uh, extremely pious. He's always praying, yes. prays before every meal, and he prays in the morning and he prays in the afternoon and. Any problems, he prays, but on the way down, he's not praying, he's swearing. Yes, yeah, he's <laughs> cursing <funny>. up a storm. <laughs> yeah, so this supposed to turn, and the turning wheel doesn't work. Yeah, but he's, he's not upset that they're going to die. He's upset that, uh, you know, this great discovery is going to die. That's it, yeah, yeah. The world is going to lose the benefit of all his great knowledge. Yeah. Well, I, I don't even think he's he's doing it. You know, it's it's that I did this. It's that uh, no one will ever know what a great discovery we've we've uncovered. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's he he's a he's an interesting character because he he's very scientifically minded, but he's also got this religious um, uh, piety. And and when he's confronted with you know uh, just a you know I've been gone for months. What are you talking about? By the main character. Um, by David, he he's just well, you know. Clearly, uh, uh, to me, it seemed like a, just a short time. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, we just came from the arena just a couple minutes ago. I was gonna ask you where, how, why, well, you know, did you get lost on the? Yeah, he's senile, but his explanation is is uh, like I'm okay. Well, maybe time does work that way when there's no sun and there's no there's no you know there's no sunset sun, sunset or sunrise and no stars no no spinning you know everything's always the light bulbs are always on yeah it's perpetual daytime there's nothing to measure the time by hmm. although later they discover uh from the rotation of uh, the moon that 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 can be a clock for the whole inner world and huh. i think it's very interesting that uh their their whole notion of the technology and all the wonderful benefits of civilization that they're going to bring to these savages which is uh, very, very typical of turn of the century. Well, uh, Western civilization was very much into uh, colonialism at that yeah. time. Everybody had their empire. The World War One was uh, largely fought about empires and uh, protecting everybody else's trade routes. So everybody at that turn of the century had to have their empire, and part of the part of having empire was the white man's burden. And uh, you I was, see I was that. I just going to say that. Yeah, you you see that very strongly with the the notion that we have to uh, we we've got a responsibility to bring civilization and culture to these savage peoples. Well, uh, I guess in in that way we've got the 
Ja is he's described as an Indian. You know, he yes. he looks like he's he's not just a caveman like everybody else. He's he's a particular kind of primitive. He's a noble savage. Yes, uh, the king of his own people. And uh, to me, that also reminded me of um, Robert E. Howard's uh, call. Uh, not call, but call had a buddy. Um, who calls uh, from Aquilonia? Not Aquilonia. He's from what's that uh, city in the sea place? Mm. The sunken city, Atlantis. Oh, Atlantis. From Atlantis. Oh, uh-huh. Call of Atlantis, and he's got a buddy who's who's a seaman uh, from some the Pictish Isles. And and Tam, you remember we did uh, Beyond the Black River. The Picts show up there. That that it's all related. So those are the same people. Uh, and they're they're basically the Indians for for Conan. Well, in this case, Cull uh, and and the the Indian known as um, uh, Brule, the Spear Slayer, <laughs> um, his name. He's a he's a uh, an Indian like character who's a Pict, and uh-huh. it's they're very depicted. They're depicted. <laughs> they're shown very similarly. So I I, I would bet that Howard had read this and picked that up. Yeah, yeah. Well, the, and the notion of the noble savage was mm-hmm. was very popular in that day. Yeah, that yeah, they can you you can you can be a savage, but you you can still be noble, or you can be not ignoble. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have Huja the Sly One, who is our <laughs> ignoble savage, who yeah, is absolutely. very much a plot device. I realized. Uh, uh, that the first time we ever hear his voice is late in book number two. Oh, really? Yeah, he's spoken of quite a bit, and he is a plot he's device who bad lo- looks to people. Yeah, yeah, and uh, but uh, in turn, well, I guess he's sly. He doesn't need to talk to people much. No, it really blew me away that I had not come up with a character voice for him huh. until very late in Pellucidar when. Do I have to match him against somebody? No, this is the first time we've heard him speak. But he acts. Uh, we we hear he he's uh, we we get most of our information about him third hand. We we hear what he's done or what other people say he's done. So the interesting uh, nebulous kind of uh, villain there. He's one of he's I mean a great villain who does all this stuff, but we never really get much direct contact with him. I mean, we 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 knock him out not because he uh, disses Deanne early in the first book, and then pretty much from there we hear of him rather than actually see him working directly. Mm-hmm. So one of the other things that was pretty interesting in the description of the world was that the inside world is actually bigger than the outside world. Right. Uh, but not because, you know, it's like the TARDIS, but because the land area is greater right. um, and the sea area is smaller. Right. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a reverse of what's on the planet. Everything that's an ocean up here, it's equivalent under, uh, in, inside is land. So since yeah, the, pre- pretty much, yeah. Yeah, since the uh, surface of the Earth is like, what, three-quarters water, down in Pellucidar, the surface is three-quarters land. So he figures what, something like 200 million. I, I, re- I, I love his numbers. I, I remember something like 120 million square, square land miles inside mm-hmm. the Earth. Uh, as opposed to a puny, what, 40 million square miles or whatever it is on the surface. Yeah. It, it's it's like a, it's a very, um, it, it felt like, you know, Ringworld, Larry Niven's Ringworld, where you Ooh, yeah. get this, you get this, wow, that's a really interesting idea. And uh, how did you, did you do the math on this? This is cool. Yeah. Um, 
and if you think about it, like, so the Pacific Ocean is actually a, a piece of land, right, under right. there. And right. where we are uh, in North America, we're in the ocean. Right, right. So if we drilled straight through, we'd come up underwater. Yeah. Which is so every time when you when when the prospector drills, you gotta hope that it goes askew and say, uh, seemingly both times they go through, they wind up right at the edge of a of a of a mass of water. <laughs> I'm just so, wondering, uh, do we know where? So they started digging in South America. No, no, no. They started in the Arizona Arizona desert. When did they start? I think in Connecticut. I, Connecticut. Okay. Now. Yeah, I think they start in Connecticut and they they go through, but coming back something. Yes. Uh. Uh. He he. On the way back. Uh. uh and when, up in Arabia. When, yeah, because when they come back from Pellucidar, as they're starting in, the uh, structure collapses and it, it twists the prospector askew, so it's at a diff different angle, and he winds up uh, coming out in, in the Sahara Desert hmm. on the way back. And then that's where the prospector stays, and then in book two, it'll go back under uh, from the Sahara. I, I love that you know they're make, they are making those you know manifest destiny plans where we got to get some stuff, go back, get some supplies. Uh, you know the wagon trains need to be reloaded, and and we're also going to bring a uh, a cable so that we yes, can so do we can have a telegraph. telegraph. Yeah, right. tell tell the news of what who got voted president uh, right. down in. But uh, I was thinking, you know, if they do get that cable down there, and it for every ten years that passes down in Pellucidar, only one year passes on Earth. There's going to be a lot of news coming one way. <laughs> That's it. That's it. And I just had that this weird thought. Another another uh, uh, parallel. Uh, we've got H.G. Uh, Wells' time machine. Remember when he comes mm -hmm. back to get the books from his library to take back there, so that that knowledge can be sent to the future. I just realized in in uh, at the end of this one, they're going back to get uh, technology, but mainly they want to get books to bring back to Pellucidar. Yeah, yeah, they they gotta. That that's uh, that's what all the book lovers like, right? Oh yeah. yeah, if you go explore a new world, the only thing you'll need is more books. <laughs> right, all the books, books about everything, uh, farming. Uh, somehow, a lot of it turns into books about armaments. But uh, yeah, yeah. just uh, bring the books, bring the knowledge, bring the 20th century okay. knowledge to the Stone Age. They figured they they figured out gunpowder, right? Uh, let me think. Uh, I think he tried and couldn't get it to work. Yes, in this book, uh, Perry is meddling around trying to get it to work, but he, he can't figure out how to get it to even burn. Mm -hmm. And later in book two, we learn that actually he discovered an anti uh, 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 a fire retardant is what Perry <laughs> invented down there for gunpowder. Mm. He would throw it on fire and it would snuff out the fire. So that's one of the reasons they're going back uh, to the surface is to uh, get books to tell them how to make gunpowder. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in in that, the difference between this and Princess of Mars is also striking in that that's a that's an old world in which uh, the technology is superior, mm -hmm. um, but sort of in decline. And whereas this is a new, fresh world where the technology never really got going at all. It's all primitive. I mean, they they talk about it as being. You know, she's my prehistoric bride. Yes, yes. <laughs> she's yes. not prehistoric. She's, she's <laughs> contemporary, but yes. She yes. looks prehistoric. Yes, she 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 thinks like class. a caveman. While she yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty much that's it. Yeah, the technology uh, is Stone Age. Uh, he uses that term quite a bit. The Stone Age. Are aren't there more different kinds of creatures in this book than in the yes. books? Yes. Yes. Well, 
there's there's it's a great number of creatures, but these he he actually decided to to keep things that actually might have been seen on the earth. But there's a lot of different creatures, but mostly they're they're big variants of of things that we've seen in a museum. Uh, we've got dinosaurs. I mean, we got pterodactyls, which are the thipdars. We've got uh, we used to call them brontosauruses when I was a little kid, but I guess they call them apatosauruses now or whatever the big the big uh, the big lumbering, uh, long-necked dinosaurs are. You've got uh, the Leedy. Um, you've got uh, he he throws around words, but you got the the the, the reptilian things in in the ocean, which are uh, you got a serpents and you've got saurians and uh, but a lot of mammals, a lot of huge. Uh, Ice Age mammal types. You've got the proto-elephant that attacks them almost as soon as they get there. The dirith, I think, is what it's called. Uh, you got is that like a giant frog or something. Uh, There's a giant frog in the movie that breathes fire. <laughs> yeah, well, that that was that was uh, some Hollywood interest. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> or maybe Professor maybe... Perry put some arrows into it and it, it explodes. <laughs> oh wow! Hey, gunpowder. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of different creatures, but uh, mostly uh, a, a lot of mammalians that are just really big. I mean, cave bears and uh, and oh yes, you have saber-toothed tigers, and of course you've got uh, wolf dogs, big ones, um, and they're all very big. Yes, and there is um, uh, oh, a, oh I can't remember the name of it. Something that looks kind of like a cross between a. Uh, crocodile and uh, so that attacks him. Uh, there's a big nasty crocodilian that tries to get him and rear up on its lo- its four legs. But there are quite a few different animals uh, creatures in this. I'd say yes, more than we saw in Barsoom. One of the one of the things that um, I also was curious about is, you know, when Ja is explaining his cosmology to to David, he says he says uh, we don't bury unlike those. Our enemies. We don't bury our people in in the ground because uh, when we open up old graves, uh, parts of their bodies are missing. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking, does that mean like that? Is this is this his way of explaining how we get all these fossilized uh, dinosaurs on the surface? Like somehow they get transported to to uh, <laughs> dig sites in, in uh, on Earth? I don't understand hmm. what, what's happening there. But then he says that. Uh, we no, we put our our dead bodies in trees, right? And then the birds come and take them away, little piece by piece, up to heaven or something. Right, right. Well, they they think that they think underneath them is hell. They they think that they're right. flat and they're floating on a, a molten sea of lava. So I guess in the earth, if the pieces disappear, they didn't go up, so they must have gone down. So they must have gone down to the fireplace. I guess it's uh, and that's it, a bad thing because yeah. Uh, they they they're they're primitive but they know what fire does to you. <laughs> it's Although, interesting. Now that's interesting cuz they do talk about they don't have light. Uh they don't I guess they ha- they don't have torches. Uh so fire is not something that they all have at their command. So uh interesting. Well, I don't sure. need it as much, you know, they got the daylight. Yeah, cuz you got a permanent sun. So uh they're they're very primitive there and I'm sure Perry and they're on the, the raw food diet then. Yeah. Oh, yes. They're all paleo diet is what you're saying, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I think he mentioned somewhere in there that uh, he's getting he's gotten used to raw flesh. Yeah. And and when he when he sees his his new uh, cave wife, um, 
he says, I, I was, I, I was not sure I could stand to watch her tearing into meat, but when, when she, when he actually watched her uh, tearing into a, an animal and starting eating it, she was very dainty. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very meat eater. Yes, yeah, very old world chivalry towards women uh, oh. point of view from from this writer. It's funny stuff. Yeah, he always seems to have a romance in, in his books. Yeah, they were called, they were romances. I mean, that was part of the genre. I was right. thinking that this was, and uh, just the whole notion of these uh, unsupervised men and women running around half naked, uh, and, and uh, even the word breast would be very loaded. I mean, that would be considered vile, what my grandmother oh. used to call vile smut, reading this horrid filth. Uh, and uh, Pulps had a reputation for being really lewd, uh, crass things, so I guess this was 1900-style Playboy magazine for adolescent kids. <laughs> oh, it's pretty tame. It's pretty yeah, pr- tame. Pretty tame, but uh, pretty for you know for Victorians, where side of an ankle was titillating. This was this was pretty racy stuff. Oh, was the original edition uh, highly illustrated? Because aren't the older books more illustrated than they are today? Um. Yeah, actually, the first one at the Earth's Core came with eight illustrations of uh, okay. John Allen St. John and uh, some really nice ones. Check my website because I've got one uh, photo from Earth's Core up and I've got one from Pellucidar. Uh, yeah, that one had uh, – and they th- those uh, th- and those were separate plates that actually were printed separately and had to be, I believe, manually inserted into the book and glued because uh, huh. actually if you if – you, Look at the book and see that it's the uh, the actual illustrations are not really bound into the actual printed matter. They're kind of stuck on, so uh, they can fall out. But uh, and very it changed from from book to book. Uh, Earth's core, I think, had around eight illustrations in a frontispiece. Uh, the second one had only four. The cost. Uh, uh, Obviously, it must have influenced cost, and when they were trying to cut corners, they would cut illustrations. But this one had quite a few. Uh, originally, it was serialized in All Story, right? I believe it was All Story. That was his. Uh, he, you know, once he found somebody who would buy from him, he stuck with them, and he was very loyal, and they were pretty loyal to him. But of course, they 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 would reject some of the manuscripts. But I believe it was printed originally in All Story. Uh, did they tend to put pictures in? Because it's pretty early for. Uh for pulps, then. Yeah, I don't think so, because uh, the the pictures that were printed with the book were not line drawings. They were actual, I, guess, I don't know what the original format was, but certainly they were engravings, or uh, I don't know the print process, but it was more than just a line drawing thing. So, in some of the books, there were line drawings, like Tarzan, uh, mm-hmm. Jungle Tales of Tarzan, there's a line drawing in front of each chapter, and those are actually printed and bound in, as opposed to this uh, kind of afterthought that I'm talking about where you've actually got plates they would call them and that they would be hand tipped in the the coolest illustration I think I've seen is uh, the cover that Frazetta did for I guess it was the Ace version oh yeah 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 I don't know if that was if it was Frazetta or if it was Crinkle hold on a second let me go get it it's Frazetta it's very Frazetta like hold on let me go get my copy of it I'll be right there mm-hmm. uh, so you know, Frazetta Tam, he's the guy who oh, yeah. did all those Conan covers, right? Yeah, really uh, good artist. With a skull and a big pile of bones. and um, I think he might have done some, some Princess of Mars and so, stuff like that. But the, the one I'm looking at 
uh, it's got, uh, I guess it's a, a Mayhar in the foreground um, about to eat uh, our female lead, who is looking very coquettish in her cave cavewoman uniform. <laughs> okay, nice. which one? Uh, which one are you talking about? Uh, it's it's the it's it's got a Mayhar in the foreground, uh, looking at a very delectable um, cavewoman, uh, and then there's also I think a, a, a Mayhar in the background with some skulls. Okay, I don't have that one. I, oh, well, I've I'll got send the. You. Yeah, and actually, yeah, I'm, I've got the Ace uh, first edition, the reprint from from the '60s, and I, actually, those were Roy Krenkel did those. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, no, these are those are uh, Frazetta did some. I I do know actually he did some for Ace, but uh, also Roy Krenkel did some also, and uh, at the Earth's core was Krenkel. Have I lost you? No, no, I'm here. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm just. Uh, I'm. I'm. I, I I think I'm right. <laughs> Let me just see okay. Uh, well, you know what? There's a lot of pictures here, and there's they all look. You know, Frazetta. Uh, maybe he just illustrated stuff that was all the same. You know, yeah. Almost any of these could could fit into any other story. Yeah. The one I'm looking at uh, is very green. It's all you can see. It's a jungle. You have two cave. It looks like it's probably David and Deanne. Uh, I I know the one that you've got, and there's like a couple of dinosaurs. You got a couple of got a couple of the leady in the background. You got right, a couple yeah. of red of uh, red birds up in the sky. Right. Um, that's I, the crinkle artwork. Earth's core here. There it is. Oh yes, this is gorgeous. All right, I'll send you this link here. It's on the ERB Zine website, which is uh, pretty much the 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 uh, the Burroughs website. If you're not an audiobook, uh huh, check that out. Okay. The group chat. You can see the canvas coming through, but um, he just gets, he's got a. Uh, it's uh, I don't know. Did he use uh, um, models to pose? It's just like they're very um, they're all action oriented stills, basically. Hmm. Mm-hmm. See it there? Yeah, it looks like a woman bodybuilder. It's kind of. Is that link that I sent the original picture from the book on the right? Uh, yeah. Let me look. Hmm. It's like a black and white drawing on the right. This is great radio. Yeah, it's terrible actually. <laughs> <laughs> um. That is, I don't know. <laughs> okay. I think that's that's something David's put up from something. It says, at the US Corps, pick 312 by 498. But oh. I tore the spear loose and drove it through oh, that serpent's one. jaws. Okay, that that's the John Allen St. John artwork. That's for, that's from the first edition. Yeah, that one okay. is from, that's, that's from the original first uh, hardback. In the movie, when they do that scene, it's it's not uh, in the water; it's it's on land. Ah. And the, the guy uh, Ja is is uh, I, I think he's gone off for a pee or something because <laughs> um, there's just this campfire with a spear and some food on it, you know. And and David's just escaped from the Mayhars and he runs over there. He's starving. He grabs the food, and just as he's about to eat it, uh, Ja jumps at him with a knife. And they wrestle around for a while, and then they wrestled all the way into a cave. And inside the cave, there's like this Lovecraftian serpent. It's more like a uh, uh, half 
half uh, tentacled, you know, creature and half uh, plant um, that wants to eat them. And just as, a, you know, they're fighting and fighting and fighting, and eventually it gets hold of Ja, and uh, David saves him. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and then become fast friends, of course. Okay. Well, they... they uh, it's actually... It's pretty faithful. Um, it's, it's, it's more of a comedy. Uh, when, I'm, when I was watching it, I was laughing a lot more than I probably was supposed to. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, this, this special, there's a, it's a very special effects-heavy story with a lot of giant monsters and people in costumes and green screen and, or whatever they called it, rear projection. Uh, is it like claymation with the monsters? No, no, it's all it's all um, suits and stuff. Oh, so, really? Wow! Yeah. Even for the even for the monsters, huh? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it was filmed in England, so that I guess the budget wasn't massive, but it, it's surprisingly faithful. Um, the ending is. Uh, I think they they are playing it for humor because the ending is pretty great. They they come up, uh, you know, out of the the Earth's core, and instead of uh, coming up in the Sahara, they end up. Uh, in the 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 presidential lawn at the White House, <laughs> and there's a couple of cops uh, like freaking out that there's somebody drilling up through the bottom of the uh, oh. the, the rose garden or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah, it's illegal aliens. They're and they're That's Brits. Right. They're not Americans. Right. It's true. They they are illegal aliens. Hmm. So, we got any any more thoughts? Is that did we do we expend all our interest? I don't know. I will say I, I uh, of of Burroughs' work. I I would say probably the Mayhars are probably the most hateful villains he ever created. Mm. Uh, uh, as I was rereading all this material, I uh, I read it when I was thirteen and fourteen, and then I just went back and started rereading before I decided what to podcast. And when I was, I was reading this one, uh, there were two scenes in this book that actually bothered me quite a bit. Uh, the, the scene of uh, the, the the scene of the Mayhar's religious practices in their temple, yeah. where they yeah. where they are luring the people underwater and then slowly eating them as they're underwater. Oh, that, was really, that, was, that was really grisly. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty pretty creepy. Yeah. And uh, of course, the vivisection labs where they, uh, yeah. they uh, learn yeah. about human anatomy is. Uh, I just read that. I was, Ooh, that that that's a little heavy. It, it, it it's it, the funny part is especially in that second one is. It's not the focus, right? That's what's happening. Yeah. But, but uh, David is is uh, that's the character, not not the actor. Right. <laughs> the David, the character is he's busy focusing, trying to pick a lock, and of course nobody on this planet or this inner planet knows about lock picks and yeah. How, you know, he he said it was this. Any baby could have picked this lock. Right, 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 right. And the Mayhars are these great dominant race, but they uh, and the technology is easily picked by uh, uh, a monkey. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, it's not the main focus. But it 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 is the it's the uh, it's the uh, dire MacGuffin. I guess it's the uh, if if everything goes bad, this is what's going to happen to him. But uh, yeah, there were those two scenes as I read them, I just went, "Wow, that that's really you know that's right up there with Freddy Krueger and Jason and Friday the Thirteenth. That's that's pretty grisly stuff." Yeah, it's, especially for back then. Right? Yes. Pretty, uh, yes. It's I, it's 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 um, you know devilish rites uh, and kind of hellish, I guess too. Yeah. Yeah, but then you you want you want to give people reason to hate these reptiles because we're mm-hmm. going to kill them in great quantities later on. Especially since they're all women. 
Yes, and they're all, yeah, all women. That's right. Well, they're female. I don't know if they're women, but yeah, uh, I, I hear you. They're ladies. Um, so uh, did either of you manage to get a chance to see the um, the adaptation of Princess of Mars? Uh, uh, the the film? film. Yeah. No. John Carter. Yeah, John Carter as well. Yeah, I, I did see it, and uh, I so much wanted to like it, but you know, when you really want to make a film and you'll make excuses, and, oh, this was good, this was good, but the bottom line is, is I don't think they did a good job with it. I really don't. Hmm. Um, they they tried to please too many people. I, I didn't like the liberties they took with the plot. I didn't like what they did with the therns. Uh, I didn't, they turned Tardos Moors into this wimp. Uh, who was o- only a yes man for for the villain? They gave the villain this magic glove that gives him power of life and death over the planet. Uh, mm. uh, it just the the balances were all off. I felt and uh, uh, I thought that the Tharks were handled well. The special effects were pretty cool. Um, it just didn't ha- it just didn't work. It just didn't work. Mm. How was the jumping? Did that look ridiculous? Or? The jumping, I. It's kind of what Burroughs described, but it looked like a flea jumping around in a lot of ways to me. <laughs> which, which is uh, not the look you're going for. Which right? is not the look you're going for. And I, I don't know. I got the feeling they really uh, they boosted his superpowers way beyond what Burroughs had ever talked about. Mm. The fact that this guy jumps from ground level up to a ship that's way up in the air and... That uh, uh, you know, that Prince of Persia video game kind of mentality. Yeah, actually, that's that's what it kind of looked like. It, it, maybe they made a movie of that too, but um, it 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 probably more, be more fun to do than to see. Yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And since it, it was sounds all more like about, the Hulk. Yeah, it was all done by <laughs> they, CG. Yeah. It, they they did not treat this material with the respect it needed. I mean, I think Jackson and Lord of the Rings was successful because Jackson started out as a fan, a lover of the material, and he was absolutely faithful to it. Mm. And uh, I think that by doing that, uh, there's a fan base for a reason. And if you're loyal to the fans and get there and and keep them happy, uh, the thing that attracted that fan base is going to attract new audiences. And I, I think they just they just tried. They didn't know what they were dealing with. First of all, they didn't know who they were marketing to. Um, people didn't know: is this science fiction? Is this action? What the heck is this thing? Is it turn of the century? What is it? So I, I, I think it was a botched job, and it's really unfortunate because I was hoping to uh, cash in on, on the franchise and maybe get some work if there was going to be any, any uh, sequels. But uh, I think that's dead in the water. What, what's, what's the scoop on um, Greystoke? See, that, that's my first encounter with uh, the Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, story. You know, that's the first Tarzan movie I ever saw. The le- what's it called? The Legend of Greystoke. The Great Legend of Greystoke. As I recall, uh, I, when I went to see that in a film, I, was, I really liked that movie. I was pretty impressed. It was pretty faithful. It was the closest to anything that Burroughs had re- uh, that, to what Burroughs wrote of the Tarzan movies. Uh, it was fairly faithful, but still, uh, I think that was a closer and more successful adaptation than John Carter, by all means. Okay. I, I do remember thinking Greystoke was pretty darn good, although uh, uh, they again they took liberties with it. They they spent more time in England than than Burroughs spent there. Spent there, but uh, by and large, that was a fair, pretty good adaptation. Mm. Uh, well, um, uh, in the meantime, in between our previous podcast and this podcast, I I went back and rewatched a show that uh, I 
I had seen, but didn't know you were on. Oh. Um, Sleeper Cell. Oh, God, yes. I loved that show when I saw it uh, a while ago. I got it on DVD, and I, I thought, oh, this is just a, it's a really, it's one of those shows where it's got a story arc for the season. Uh, I was surprised that it got a second season, and it it's it's nuanced and smart, and it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that was that was like the first thing that I was looking at your filmography. That's the first thing that I I I thought. Oh, I've seen him in that. Oh, <laughs> I cool. noticed he was in that. <laughs> yeah. Um, it says you were in Minority Report as well. And yeah. Uh, I don't. Re- I I remember the movie, mm-hmm. but I don't remember it being. You know, other than I think there was a car with a door opening, like the scissors, and driving up a wall. I don't remember much. Oh, and I guess there's the gesture scene, but I don't remember much other than that. I I more remember the story. Okay. Uh, the the Philip K. Dick story. So, um, what what else should I uh, recognize you you or your voice from? Uh, other other films. Uh, well, there's the uh, the Civil War drama, Gods and Generals. Yeah, I haven't I haven't seen that one. That's a is that a based on a play or is that? A- That's actually based on the novel by Jeff Shara. Uh-huh. He, he, it started out. Uh, there was a book that his dad wrote. Uh, I can't remember if his. Uh, I can't remember the guy's first name, but it was his dad wrote a book called The Killer Angels, which is about the Battle of Gettysburg, and uh, Turner made a a, a, t- a made for TV movie about it, and it was so damned successful and so well done that it got a theatrical release. Mm. Now then, the guy who wrote that. Died. I don't know the chronology exactly, but Dad died, and the director of the film, Ron Maxwell, who's a Civil War buff, talked to the guy's son and convinced him to pick up Dad's profession and his writing and uh, and complete the story of the Civil War. So his son Jeff wrote the first book called Gods and Generals, which is about the first half of the Civil War, and uh, Turner financed that as a film. And I think they're still trying to make their money back on that because the idea was eventually to go to the final book, uh, I think, Last Full Measure, and that's about the second half. And it first half concentrates on uh, Stonewall Jackson. Second half concentrates on U.S. Grant. But the first book, uh, Gods and Generals, it's essentially a book about the first half of the Civil War. And translating that to film was was problematic. It was just way too huge a canvas, I think, and uh, way too Could ambitious. Have been a miniseries, do you think? Uh, I think it would, might have worked better as a made-for-TV miniseries, actually, yeah. yes. I'm, I'm a big fan of his, historical movies. Um, it says that that same director did uh, Gettysburg, which... Uh, looks to have been pretty good as well. Gettysburg uh-huh. is absolutely fantastic. Oh, it's long, two hundred seventy-one minutes. That's yes, and it's it, it needs every one of them. I mean, and that you see that that was successful because it was one battle, completely focused on it, right. all the nuances of it. Whereas uh, you had three days in three hours, and uh, Gods and Generals, you have two years in four hours, and right. it's, it 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 just. It was a noble, noble attempt, and there's a lot of good scene work in it. Um, it's just it 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 wasn't a success in the theaters, unfortunately, and it I think it still has to make its money back. Otherwise, if it had made its money back, Turner would have financed the final film. But uh, I think they're still trying to. Well, with the the centennial, there still might be interest in doing that film. 
Well, I think I think that anything that's that's good, that's Civil War, will eventually make its money back. Just sure. because uh, there are a lot of people who love Civil War stuff. It's I mean it's it's the uh, Robin Hood uh, of you know in the United States. It's the mythology that people um, you know want to know more about. Sure, and there's a long term educational value to it. So eventually, yeah. uh, that's going to make back its money, just like uh, Heaven's Gate. Eventually, it's going to make money, but I'm in that film. I I play uh, uh, everything in there is based on somebody from history. But I a play historical uh, figure. Yes, I play a Virginian preacher with sympathies for the North, whose son wants to join the South. Ah. So I have a really nice scene with Stonewall Jackson and with my son, fairly early in the film. Cool. I you know I I recognize a lot of the other things on your filmography like. Uh, uh, G versus E. I remember that was a yeah, that was a cool short-lived um, TV uh, sort of. What's a good versus evil? I think yes. original yes. title. Um, and then there was, uh, uh, of course, there was the um, Six Feet Under. I guess Six that, Feet Under. Right. That must have been a short. Uh, it says Indigent Man. So yes, can't, I was kind of uh, been a major speaking role, but it was a ma- it was a it was an under five, but it was a, a, a nice little da da dum. You know, a guy. Well, that's a great show to be on. Too. Did you I, die in that show? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. Oh I yeah, that's that's bad. the that's the signature, right? Is I just, every no, I just, somebody dies? No, I just dissed one of the regulars. <laughs> well, that's still uh, something. I yeah. I think um, I think that you know of television shows that uh, have come on screen and then gone off screen. That one has one of the best endings I've ever seen. It's very um, well thought through and. Uh, it's it's big and it's epic and and I think it worked. Um, I, I didn't hear a lot of people agreeing with me, but uh, that's that's what I thought about that. No, I thought it was a very fine show. It was. Uh, I'm glad to have it on my resume. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, so I guess Minority Report's the most major movie that anybody would recognize. Uh, you know, I, I still hear people talking about it who haven't even seen it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was a, it was a great film. I, I was very proud to be in that. Uh, you can, if you want to see my clip on it, you go to my IMDb page and, and play my demo reel there. Oh, okay. That's, that uh, okay. that's that's the first scene. Uh, it was a scene with Tom Cruise. I was selling Tom Cruise drugs. Awesome. <laughs> that's how it started. That explains a lot. And uh, they took my eyes out of my head. Oh. CG. I think they paid more for that than they paid me. <laughs> that's. <laughs> But oh, it, you just you say I'll take him out, and you just you give me that money. I'll take him out myself. Yeah, right. <laughs> Actually, I had a friend who worked for Sam Peckinpah and he, for the Wild Bunch, and uh, the, wow, he had to have his front teeth removed. Oh no! Peckinpah says I'll pay to get you a bridge, but I want the look. So the guy actually consented and had his front teeth removed. I hope I hope he didn't get cut from the movie. I don't think so. I think it showed up, but uh, he 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 used to take that bridge out and show it to you. Yeah, this is my Sam Peckinpah bridge. Wow, that's dedication. Dedication. I guess he didn't get him shot out. Uh, no, 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 no. But uh, it was just a look. Wow, that's that's uh, a little bit too method for me. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's 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 being way too good of a soldier. Absolutely. Um, uh, mind you, it is a classic film. Um. Uh, if if it's the one I'm thinking of, uh, when, when, did you say it was? Uh, I think it was Wild Bunch. Wild Bunch. Yeah, I just assumed that it was Wild Bunch. Yeah. Mind you, there are other movies. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, guys with their teeth missing, peck and paw, probably Wild Bunch. 
That's a great movie. Uh, oh, well, um, I think we're pretty close to wrapping it up. What do you guys think? I think so. Um, it's always great talking to you guys. And yeah. I do want to say uh, I'm just uh, I'm going to I'm going to fess up uh, for the first time on this podcast to announce that actually I have completed Pellucidar and the next one up is going to be Tarzan of the Apes. I am going to go into the Ape Man series next. I, I thought you said that was too uh, racial or something. But, uh... Well, I was afraid of it originally as a first offering as my first maiden voyage out as a podcaster. Um you know, uh, now that I've got some credibility and I've got seven books under my belt and we've had different colored races on Barsoom and different colored races at the inner world, I'm not as leery of it now. I, I'm a lot more com- comfortable with, with the fact that I've got an audience, I've got some listeners. Okay. Uh, and I, I'll say up front on the introduction that uh, there is racially offensive material here. Uh, so if that kind of stuff really offends you, you might want to go somewhere else. But otherwise, kick back and enjoy. It's fantasy. It'll mm-hmm. be fine. It's, it's, uh, it's vintage. It's not... Uh it's not modern stuff. No, and it's um, he's his Africa is no more real than his Barsoom is. It's all <laughs> a construct, and uh, if you can have uh, racially inferior white people down in the center of the earth, well, uh, I don't want to say anything that offends people, but uh, the notion that he had racially inferior black people in the dark continent. That was a very common point of view. That was part of that, as I said before, the white man's burden. It was mm-hmm. not even mm-hmm. questioned. That was just a given for people of that mindset and that social class at that time and place. So the first book of the Tarzan series is Tarzan of the Apes? Correct. Okay. Tarzan of the Apes. So when when will that uh, finish podcasting? Uh, that'll start early in July, so mid-August that will be complete. But uh, I'm trying to keep myself up now with one book ahead so that the goal is when I put up the first episode of a book for podcast, the whole audio book is available for purchase at the same time. Sounds good. So I'm shooting to have the whole thing uh, in the can by the time I put out episode one. You've already finished uh, the Barsoom series, right? uh, As much as I can. Yeah, that's available. Everything that's in public domain I've finished, yeah. And Pellucidar has three or four? Is that? Uh, there are actually about six or seven, but only the first two are in public domain. Oh, okay. Oh. All right. Um, and uh, how many of the Tarzan are? Uh, in public domain, eight of them are in public domain. Oh, wow. So there's oh, quite a bit of material of I can do there. Good, good. Because um, I'm, I'm already thinking, you know, Burroughs guy, he's running out of stuff. We've got to... We're going to just make it that David Stifle guy. <laughs> the David Stifle guy, right. <laughs> yeah, I am actually thinking beyond. Where do I go once I've uh, hit Tarzan number we'll eight? We'll find you well, some other stuff. We've got Land Time Forgot, and then, then there, there, there's other stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the, the Land that Time Forgot is also in public domain? Correct. Oh, cool. Okay, so there's actually, we've got a few more beginning books. I, I, I'd like you to come back for uh, Tarzan of the Apes. Oh, I would love to do it. Awesome. It's always great, cool. Jesse. Listen, Thanks, I do have to run because I yeah, do okay. have a rehearsal. Uh, if you're in uh, Los Angeles, come see the uh, Heartbreak House at the Will Gear Theatricum Botanicum, running all summer. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. 